0: Welcome to Words of Grace, radio ministry of Elder Ben Winslet, pastor of the Flint River Primitive Baptist Church near Huntsville, Alabama. We invite you to stay tuned to today's broadcast. Our broadcast today is entitled Repentance. Lately
1: at Flint River Primitive Baptist Church on Sunday mornings, we've been undertaking a series on the life of that significant, important, biblical figure, the forerunner of Christ at the beginning of the New Testament era, John the Baptist. And if you would have an interest in watching any of these sermons, you can go to our church Facebook page or the YouTube channel for MarchToZion.com, and you can watch these messages unedited just as they were delivered. But as we studied together John the Baptist, one of the things that we have focused on is his teachings, and of all the things that John did and John said, one of the most significant things that he taught was repentance. He taught people to repent. And because of this, and because he went baptizing, his baptism is even referred to in the book of Acts by the Apostle Paul as the baptism of repentance. John went and he taught repentance. People confessed their sins. They were baptized and They went on to follow John as disciples, walking closer to their Lord, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we discussed repentance together on Sunday morning, I tried to make the point that repentance and church membership and its connection with church membership is something that probably is not emphasized as much in today's time as it has been in generations past— a lot of times, when someone joins the church in today's time, they'll talk about how, sure, they believe that Jesus died for their sins, but they love that church. They feel at home. It's a place that they would like to be. And those are all things that we want to hear when someone joins the church. But biblically, in the first century, there was an aspect of repentance when someone would come and join the church. In fact, even the verbiage, join the church, is probably putting the focus on the wrong aspect of being converted. As we turn from our sin, we're doing that in attempt to follow the Lord. And so even the church is not the focus when someone repents. They are turning from their sin, they're following the Lord, they've been convicted, they've been converted, they've heard the Word and responded positively to it in that context of repentance. When we describe it as just merely joining the church, we really have taken the focus off of what it should be now, at the close of our service, one of the things that we always do is give people an opportunity to become a part of our church body. But my verbiage on that has changed over the course of my ministry, the sixteen years that i 've been here. I began by saying, if you want to join the church, just come forward and express your desires. Now, what I say at the close of my messages is if you believe in this Christ that I've talked to you about today, and you desire to confess him before witnesses and be baptized in his name, then we give you an opportunity to come and to profess your faith in him. And, of course, when a person professes their faith and they're baptized, they become a member of the church that Baptized them. That's how members are received according to the book of John, chapter 4. Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though he baptized not but his disciples. A disciple is made. Today we might say a church member, but a disciple is made when someone confesses Christ, repents of their sins, and is baptized. They become an official part of a church body. They're members of a church body. God set up a church. The Lord Jesus established his church. Church is important we are to gather in churches, we are to be a part of the New Testament church, but we should always remember that the focus of this is Christ. John's ministry was one where he turned people to the Lord. When we repent of our sins and we become a part of the visible militant church, Christ still needs to be the focus of that. Our turning to God is that repentance. We repent and we turn to God from our sins, and we are a part of the church, but that's because God has told us to be. Even after the ministry of John the Baptist, we see this in the book of Acts chapter 2, as Peter told Jews who had been pricked in their heart. They believed the message. They were convicted in their heart about what they had heard about Christ and the fact that he was crucified by their nation. Peter said unto every one of them, well, if you believe, if you're pricked in the heart, you're asking, what do we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you. So, the command to those who have been pricked in their heart is to repent. If you believe the message of the cross of Christ, then what God's Word would call upon you to do is repent. And I believe we need to emphasize that again in today's time. Now, so many times preachers that speak on repentance are sort of caricatured. Perhaps maybe even they earned this sort of a depiction as, being people who are just fire-breathing hellfire and brimstone preachers, judgmental and condemning other people. No, that's really not what I'm getting at on the message today. But the concept of repenting and repentance, well, this is a biblical concept that we need to hear in our day and age. When you become a part of the Lord's church, and to frame it the way that we often think about it today, joining the church, as we become a part of the church, what we're doing is repenting. And we're turning to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience to his commands. We're submitting unto his will and his word in our lives. That's what we're supposed to be doing, at least, when we become a part of the visible assembly of the saints. And so repenting and repentance, these are words that we need to dwell on. We need to focus on. They need to be preached from pulpits. They need to be emphasized in the minds of God's children and his disciples— So when we talk about repentance, what does this word even mean? If you're a Christian and you go to some churches, you may never have even heard this word used in a sermon, aside from just a passing reference here or there. Well, to repent actually has several different definitions, and there's a few of these that I just want to share with you. It can mean regret. Repentance can mean regret or compunction. If you have ever experienced remorse and regret from something that you have done, that, well, is a form of repentance. The word repent can be defined as simply as turning from a course of action. And as we get into the Old Testament usage of this term, for the majority of the Old Testament, the word repent is actually used not with reference to men, but with reference to God. And that ought to pique your curiosity. What does that mean, the word repent used in connection with God's actions in the world? We use the word repent in a religious sense, in a New Testament Christian sense, to mean to turn from error or sin. And so if you've ever forsaken a sin, you've turned from a sin, maybe you were a drug user and you stopped using drugs. Maybe you would commit fornication and you ceased to commit fornication. Maybe you were looking at stuff on the Internet that you shouldn't be looking at on the Internet and you felt guilty for that. You confessed that to God and you stopped doing that. That is Repentance. If you believe things about the Lord and the Word that are not true, maybe you worshiped God in some sort of a cult, and you forsook that, and you became a part of real Christianity. Well, that is repentance. To turn from error or sin is repentance, and that will be much of what we emphasize on the broadcast today. Now, regarding that last definition, to turn from error or sin, I want to clarify that a penitent heart— is given to God's people at the new birth. So just to remind you of some fundamentals, God elected an innumerable company of people, an innumerable host of people before the foundation of the world. They are out of every nation and kindred and people and tongue. Every single one of his elect has been predestinated. They will be called, they were justified by Jesus upon the cross, and they will be glorified. At the new birth, God takes... The hard and stony heart from his children, and he gives them a heart of flesh. And what that simply means is by nature we are dead in trespasses and in sins. As such, we do not experience any sort of a spiritual heart, Holy Spirit induced repentance or conviction over our sin. Conviction of sin and repentance are very commonly linked in Scripture. Remember, one of the definitions of that word, as the Oxford English Dictionary defines it, is compunction. Repentance can be defined as compunction. So a penitent heart, a heart that is awakened to your own sinfulness, awakened to your condemnation before God, a heart that hungers and thirsts after righteousness, a soft heart, a heart of flesh— rather than a heart of stone, that is given to you at the moment of the new birth. A penitent heart is given at the new birth. Now, Ezekiel eleven nineteen is one of the favorite, most beloved proof texts of this. I will give them one heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them, and they shall be my People and I will be their God. The stony heart, a heart that can't be penetrated by the preaching of the cross because the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, a heart that loves iniquity and rejects everything that is true, that feels no guilt or remorse over sin, that heart is taken away and a heart of flesh is given. Now, I know in the New Testament the word flesh commonly means the nature that we have through being born of Adam. But here, flesh stands in distinction to stone. So, something that is stone, well, it's hard. It's not able to be pricked, as it were. We read that passage in Acts 2. They were pricked in their heart that tells you they didn't have a stony heart. A stone can't be pricked, but flesh can be pricked. Flesh is soft. At the same time, flesh, that is your skin, it has feeling. A rock doesn't have any feeling. If you pick up a rock out of the yard, it's not alive, it's not conscious, it has no feeling of its own, it has no nervous system. But your flesh, not only is it soft compared to a rock, it also has feeling, unless portions of it have been calloused over, which at times we become callous to the things that we ought to feel because sin desensitizes us as God's people. But flesh has feeling. Flesh is soft. Stone has no feeling. Stone is hard. God takes the stony heart, referring to the spiritual essence of our being, not literally the pumping organ in your chest. God takes the stony heart, and he gives us a heart of flesh, a softer heart that has feeling. And again, it can be calloused, it can be desensitized, but it feels. And what it is that the heart feels after the new birth is regret, compunction over sin. We refer to these as sensible sinners, someone who's been born of the Spirit of God, and they now feel remorse over the things that they've done that are wrong. At the new birth, the laws of God are written on your heart and your mind. And so you know it's wrong to murder. You know that it's wrong to steal. You know that it's wrong to fornicate and things such as that. And when you do that, you feel guilty for it. Why is that? When there are people in the world that rejoice in those things, well, your hard and stony heart has been taken away, and you've been given a heart of flesh. And so regarding repentance, what I want you to understand is that As we refer to a spiritual repentance, this is a result of the hard and stony heart being taken away and a heart of flesh being given, a soft heart, a penitent heart being given to God's elect at the moment of their new birth. Repentance is something that we do every time we turn from a sin. And this could actually be for a variety of reasons. Today we're emphasizing a spiritual repentance that comes from a penitent heart, a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone. But there are times that people turn from sinful behaviors, not because they fear God or love the Lord, but simply because it's pragmatic. Nineveh, for instance, in the Old Testament, I'm Sure, there were people there that had been born of the Spirit of God because He has a people out of every nation, kindred, and tongue, but I know that there were people there who were unregenerate. I know there were people there who had no heart, fear, or knowledge of God, and yet the entire nation turned from their sin because God was about to destroy them. Well, this isn't the same type of repentance that we're talking about today. After nine eleven in the United States, repentance was everywhere. You had Congressmen and senators who don't care a thing in the world about the Lord or his gospel or his word singing God bless America on the steps of the U.S. Capitol building. People were united. People went to church. People were repenting because they were afraid. Sometimes we see national movements of repentance or even regional movements of repentance born out of pragmatism. But what I'm talking about today is a spiritual repentance that comes from a changed heart. Not merely trying to escape pillars of fire and being scared into turning from your iniquity and afraid you'll be destroyed so you want to live better. And we've all done that. If you pass a police officer on the interstate and you're running 85 miles an hour, you're going to hit the brakes because you don't want to get a ticket. And you repent very quickly. And it has nothing to do with feeling guilty over what you've done. We've all been there. We've all experienced it. But what I'm talking about today is a spiritual repentance, not pragmatism, not turning from a course of action because you don't want the ramifications of your behavior, but a real repentance before God. Now, Scripture calls on us to turn from all sin, and we find this in the book of Acts chapter 17, as Paul stood before the Athenians, referring back to the time period when only the nation of Israel was given the word of God, and Gentiles were basically in pagan ignorance and idolatry. Paul says in this era of human history, God commands all men everywhere. He commandeth all men everywhere to repent. All sorts of men are commanded to repent. He doesn't wink at ignorance from Gentiles anymore, but he calls upon everybody to repent, and he calls upon every single one of his children to forsake their former way of life and to follow him as a disciple, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God calls on us all of us to turn from all of our sins. God calls on us to forsake things that are sinful. By the way, regarding a pragmatic sort of turning from sin that we sometimes see nationally when there's a threat or, uh, again, as you pass a law enforcement officer speeding, while that's not the same as a spiritual repentance, it's still better than sin. And so if America sees some sort of a pragmatic self-benefiting, turning from our sinful ways, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, for instance. Well, I'll take it. I'll take it. If criminals cease to steal because they're afraid of going to jail, I'll take that. Society is better for that. But I hope you understand today that I have reference to something more in the sight of God, turning from our sin because God lives within us, because we've been given a penitent heart. Now, as the Word of God calls upon us to turn from all of our sin and all of our iniquity, might I just interject right now that none of us get that right. We all fail. And even those who have been born of the Spirit, who've been given a penitent heart, there is a great and broad spectrum of repentance in their lives. Someone like Lot in the Old Testament, at times there wasn't a whole lot of repentance that was visible, even though his righteous soul was vexed. He made very foolish and outright ridiculous decisions in his own personal life. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Saul of Tarsus after he was born again, the Apostle Paul, all the great and wonderful things he did in his personal ministry. Repentance is something that exists on a spectrum, and we're not all on the same place after the new birth. There are babes in Christ. There are born-again people who behave carnally. There are people who are very sanctified and have purge themselves of many unprofitable things, and God uses them in mighty ways in the world. I think we all understand that, even though sometimes, theologically, people don't admit it. Repentance is something that exists on a spectrum, and we're not all on the same place. Now, all of God's children, after the new birth, have been given a penitent heart. They've been given a heart of flesh. The heart of stone has been taken away. Here's another one. All people have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Here's another truth. All of us continue to sin in our daily lives. If any man say he has no sin, he deceives himself, according to the book of 1 John. So we all sin. We all fail. We all then need repentance. I might need repentance from something that you don't need repentance from, and you might need repentance from something that I don't, what we ought to be doing is praying to God that He would show us the things that we do in our own personal lives that offend Him, that we would be aware of them, that we would be convicted of them, that we would turn and follow Him even better than we did the day before. Now, I want to emphasize for us today repentance in the Old Testament versus repentance in the New Testament, and one great distinction that I think we can find in today's time That wasn't as emphasized in the Old Testament. It's interesting that, as we referred to earlier today, most of the times that the word repent or repented was used in the Old Testament, it actually had reference to God. But so many times God would forgive his people, and Scripture says it repented him of the evil that he was going to do unto them. And so that's a good demonstration of this word of repentance to turn from a course of action, it doesn't mean that God had done anything that he needed to be sorry for. God forbid. God is perfect and holy and just. But God is also immutable, and some of his immutable attributes are he is slow to wrath and he's rich in mercy. So when people deserved his wrath, And he was set to judge them as they would beg and they would plead with him and they would turn from their iniquity and beg for forgiveness. God would repent of the evil, the destruction, as it were, that he thought to do unto them. But as it relates to people in a religious sense, as people would repent, the common way that this concept was presented in the Old Testament was the nation of Israel turning from their sinful behavior to escape temporal judgment as a physical nation. And we find this so many times in the Old Testament. Even if the word repentance is not used, if God is judging or threatening to judge Israel, and they turn, what has happened there is a sort of a repentance, a national repentance. Ezekiel 18.30 gives a good expression of this. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so that iniquity shall not be your ruin. That's a really good definition of repentance, and it depicts how repentance in the Old Testament chiefly applied to the nation of Israel and their longevity as a nation in the world. However, in the New Testament, I want you to notice this from the ministries of John the Baptist and Jesus and the twelve disciples that Jesus sent into the world to preach— when John the Baptist began to preach, the New Testament begins. Jesus is going to begin his personal ministry. John preaches, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent what? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand? The kingdom of heaven and repentance in the New Testament are connected. Now, that's an interesting thought I've been pondering on this week because I think it speaks to the motive of repentance for New Testament Christians and how that can be a little bit different than the motive for repentance in the Old Testament nation of Israel. In the book of Matthew chapter 4, Jesus begins his personal ministry in verse 17, and he began to teach and to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus says repent because God's kingdom is here. In Matthew chapter 10... As Jesus sends out his 12 disciples and he commands them to preach and to heal and to cast out devils, one of the things that he commands them is to go and to preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. These men go and they preach to turn from sin because God's kingdom is at hand. What does that mean? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, you should understand prophetically that in the book of Daniel, for instance, it is said that in the days of the Roman Empire, would God himself set up a kingdom. This kingdom would break into pieces and begin to devour all the other kingdoms of the world. And we've seen the church of the Lord Jesus Christ grow that way throughout church history. Repentance and the existence of God's kingdom in the world is connected. The Lord Jesus establishes his church. The kingdom of heaven comes to earth as an actual kingdom, and because of that, people ought to repent. Now, to speak on that kingdom for just a moment, according to the book of Colossians, you and I are citizens of that kingdom through translation. We have been translated from darkness, the powers of darkness, into the kingdom of his dear son. So we are a part of the kingdom of heaven as citizens through the new birth. And so if I am born of the Spirit, I am a citizen of the kingdom— Every citizen of the kingdom is born of the Spirit. At the point of the new birth, you are a natural-born citizen of the kingdom of heaven. How did you become an American citizen? Well, if you're like me, you're a natural-born citizen. You were born to American parents, or perhaps you were born over here, and being born in the United States, you are a natural-born citizen. Similarly, you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. God is your king. He is your Lord because you are born of him. You are born translated from darkness into light. You are born again, quickened, regenerated, etc. So we are citizens of this kingdom through translation. At the same time, while this kingdom exists, if we are to enjoy life in the kingdom, we have to enter into its gates. How do we enter into the gates of the kingdom? Now, please understand, you can be a U.S. citizen in China— And you don't have the rights afforded to you that U.S. citizenship affords you in the U.S. when you're in China, just because you're a U.S. citizen. But when you come back to the U.S. and you enter back into the boundaries of our nation, well, you suddenly have the rights and the abilities of a United States citizen. Similarly, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, you enjoy the benefits of the kingdom when you enter into its gates. And you enter into the gates of the kingdom of heaven through repenting of your sins, believing the word of God, and following the Lord Jesus Christ as a disciple. Next, where might we find the kingdom of heaven in this world? Well, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a visible manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. They're inseparably connected in Scripture. The gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. You repent and enter into the kingdom. Though you're a citizen of it through new birth, you enjoy it when you enter into it through repenting and being a part of a New Testament assembly. And so church is a visible manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. So what might Scripture be communicating to us about repentance from the New Testament perspective? Should I repent and be a part of the church because I'm afraid that God is going to judge me and pillars of fire are going to land on my house and my sleep? He certainly would have all reason to do that, by the way. But is that our reason for becoming a part of the church? No. We repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We have been quickened when we were dead in trespasses and in sins. We have been given a penitent heart. And by the way, according to 2 Peter 3, all of his people shall come to repentance. That is to say, they will all be given a penitent heart, and they will be in the state of spiritual life at some point in their physical life here in the world. We have all been quickened, and so we're all citizens of the kingdom. God is at hand, because if the kingdom of God is at hand, if the kingdom of heaven is at hand, then God is at hand. Well, repent, then... Turn from your sin because of what he has done for you, because you love him, because you understand that you are a rotten sinner, that you have no hope in and of yourself, but Jesus is a great Savior. You love him, and you know if you love him, he loved you first. You repent, you be a part of his church, and you enjoy his blessings, not because you're terrified, not like Nineveh, not as we find in the motives of so many people in this world, but we repent because the kingdom is here. We enjoy the blessings of this God who loves us and has quickened us and has saved us, who took our hard and stony heart and gave us a heart of flesh. We repent to enjoy His blessings, not out of fear, necessarily, but out of love. Again, there are times that people need to repent out of fear. But what I'm talking to you about today is the motive for being a part of the New Testament church, from turning from your former lifestyle, it's goodness. It's goodness. It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. In fact, that's what the Apostle Paul actually wrote in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? It's a good thing to have conviction over our sin. The new birth causes that to happen. That's a godly thing. That's a good thing. It's a godly sorrow. But ultimately... God's goodness is what leads us to repentance. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Listen, if you're unsatisfied with this world around you, you lament over your sins, you feel yourself too ashamed and embarrassed to go and be a part of God's house, let me just tell you, God's kingdom is here. Turn from the unsatisfying things of this world, the sinful things that you do, the sinful mentalities that you might have embraced. Find a good biblical church. Enter into the gates with singing Enjoy the life that God has in store for you in His kingdom here in the world because it's at hand. Enjoy His blessing because ultimately, in the New Testament, because the kingdom of God is at hand, we repent because of the goodness of our loving God. Think on these things. The Lord give you understanding. Again, I'm Ben Winslet, thanking you for listening to Words of Grace today. Inviting you to tune in again next week at this time. Until then, may the Lord's richest blessings be yours, is my prayer. We're born.
0: If you enjoy the messages you hear on Words of Grace, consider this your invitation to visit a primitive Baptist church in your community. An online directory is available at marchtosion.com. Copies of this and other broadcasts are available for download on iTunes and on our website. And finally, Words of Grace is a listener-supported program. To contact us, address your correspondence to words of grace radio 641 moontown road brownsboro alabama 35741 or visit us online at flintriverpbc.org